Welcome to the Vince Del Monte Podcast Show, where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father. And I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. All right, guys, we are at the School of Greatness headquarters here in Los Angeles. I'm with none other than New York Times bestseller himself, my great friend, Lewis Howes. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, thanks for flying out here through the snow <laughs> to get here. Oh, dude, man, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, man. And uh, I know you always like starting off your seminars and talks with what you're grateful for. And yeah. I hear now you ask the same question when uh, people call you on your cell phone. I do, yeah. When they leave a, a voice, my voicemail asks them what to say what they're grateful for. So, and I'm grateful for you having me out here in your home. I didn't know this was your actual home as well. Yeah. I thought this was just your studio. Yeah, home and studio and office and kitchen, everything. Great. How do you like working at home? I enjoy it. There are times where I'm like, okay, I need to get out. Otherwise, I'll be here for two, three days. I've got a gym upstairs. Uh -huh. I've got like everything here. You know, food is delivered here or it's yep. made here. So sometimes I get a little itchy to like just walk around the block, and yeah. get out and see people. I'm the same. I'm the same. So, uh, But it's nice. You know, I feel more productive being here. It's like time efficient. I'm not commuting 30 minutes somewhere, you know, so I feel very Such a efficient. waste of time. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So today I want to talk about your book, The Mask of Masculinity. And I was blown away, brother. Thanks, like, man. You did a phenomenal job. I'm recommending this book to all my friends Thank and you. to all the men that follow me who are on the journey that I've invited people to come along on, which is to maximize the five M's of manhood. And the way I frame these M's is that they're seasons of life. So we start off with muscle, then we move towards mindset, and then we go towards money, and then we go towards mission, and then marriage. And it might not be in that exact order for every person, but it's a really helpful framework to understand in context become, to becoming a real man. And I'm, I'm grateful that you use the term real man in your book because I thought, shoot, am I allowed to use this term real man anymore? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just redefining what does it mean to be a real man. Mm -hmm. So I think growing up being a real man, you know, I was trained not to cry, not to show emotion, not to be vulnerable or just be your real self. It was more like you had to put on a mask or a front to act like a real man, what we thought was a real man. And I think in some ways that served us to getting to a certain place and getting certain results in other ways it hurt us. And so that's why I talk about is really like not what's right and wrong, but what's supporting us and what's not supporting us. And this definition of the old way of being a real man doesn't really support us anymore. Does it elevate humanity at its highest level? Does it elevate our mission? Does it elevate our money, our muscles, our marriage to be a quote-unquote real man? Does that? And if it doesn't, if it's hurting other right. people around you, if it's hurting the environment, it's hurting your community, and you're suffering on the inside, then why do you keep doing it? And that's what it comes down to, to me. And if you can't be fulfilled on the inside – and you're constantly have this inner battle or struggle, I think uh, you've got to question and ask yourself why. and Start to redefine what it means to be a man. 
Mm-hmm. And in your book, you've got eight different masks. Mm-hmm. And uh, three that really spoke to me were the athlete mask, the material mask, and the sexual mask. Mm. Um, and I would like to talk about those in, in detail today. And <laughs> yes. I appreciate you being so raw yeah. and open in your book because I know when you open yourself up, you make yourself a target. Mm. Uh, I've done this myself. And now you're quickly out there for people to criticize. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing, but you definitely now make yourself vulnerable to failing. Yeah. And uh, you felt that this book needed to be written despite you knew you would be attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you have to go through with writing this book? Why? I felt like it for me, it was one of your fourth M, fourth or fifth was his mission. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was, it, it was a, res- a duty, a responsibility. Like once I started to learn the information about me that I talk about in the book and just on my podcast and stuff, once I started to become aware that I was wearing a lot of these masks about four and a half, five years ago, I started to f- finally open up and see like, oh, I'm, not supporting myself or others to the highest level I could be. Why? And I started asking myself these questions and going down this path and the journey and finally revealing a lot of these things that were, you know, creating a lot of stress and anxiety and anger inside of me. I was like, huh, this freedom I'm feeling on the other side of these masks is something I didn't even know was available. And a lot of the guys that I grew up with didn't have access to that type of internal freedom. And I just felt like, man, so many men are suffering. And if you look at the our society right now over the last seven months with all the shootings, the killings, the domestic violence, the sexual harassment, the sexual abuse, uh, the political dis-ease, just in America, not even the world, you know, what's happening in the world, the common denominator to all those things is men who don't know how to communicate and express their themselves in healthier forms of communication. And I feel like they feel trapped. I felt trapped emotionally. And in order to release that energy, it came from anger, unforgiveness, you know, needing to be right, needing to win, needing to be whatever, make others look bad and make me look good. It it came from a, a place of insecurity. And so when I finally realized, wow, I don't need that to feel at peace in my heart and my business started taking off, my relationship started to improve, my health got better, like I could finally sleep at night. I used to always go to sleep and then just sit there for hours. Like I couldn't fall asleep no matter what I did. And now it's like I can lay down and fall asleep in 10 minutes. And I remember people saying they used to be able to sleep like in a minute or two. And I was like, how is that possible? That's you? You can do that? That's me, yeah. I could never do it. Like it would take me an hour or two hours. I would just sit there in my thoughts. And, And now I can lay down and I pass out within like 10, 15 minutes. And it's... So nice to be able to sleep at night, relaxed, and not just like constantly in anxiety in my heart. So I felt like this was a responsibility because there's not many straight, jock, white males (laughs) talking about these things. Mm -hmm. There was no other really role models or examples of Mm -hmm. it. There's the Deepak Chopras, the Mm -hmm. spiritual leaders, the... The pastors, mm-hmm. you know, those type of individuals mm-hmm. who are talking about vulnerability and mm-hmm. rising to a higher level and opening up and revealing yourself and, uh, you know, these things. But the guys that I grew up with, the guys that were my kind of like heroes, would never do that. And so I said, I'm going to put myself out there and start talking about this because I think it's going to help heal a lot of men. 
That's fantastic. And I love to dig, dig into the athlete mask. Yeah. And I think both of you and I, you and I can relate to the benefits of being an athlete. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to sit here and say that I wish I didn't have that a part of my life. And I mm-hmm. wish that my identity wasn't wrapped in athleticism at all because I was a long distance runner. I competed at the national level, the world level wow. with triathlon. So I understand the value of, of athletics. And I believe that it it's gave, a game changer. It I want to be here in business without my sports background. But what I want to talk about is the yeah. dark side. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about the dark side of athletics and finding your identity in your success on the field. And you had a, a beautiful line in your in your book. Was it you or somebody you were quoting? Was, I think it was someone you were quoting about someone hiding behind the helmet. And, yeah. And, and in bodybuilding, it's the same way. These guys transform their bodies. They add all this muscle but then when you talk to them in person, they've had a physical transformation, but they haven't had a mental transformation. And their mind hasn't caught up to their body yet. And they've created literally armor to protect mm-hmm. them from, from the world. So yeah, mass muscle. The yeah. Mass muscle. So, so why? What, what, explain to me, like, what's going on with this hiding behind the helmet, hiding behind the muscle? What is this mask? I think there's nothing wrong with being the the biggest, fastest, strongest, best athletes, you know, win as often as you can. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's why I think these masks aren't necessarily bad or wrong unless you're wearing them 24-7. So if it's the guy who goes to the gym and then he's focused and fixated on, like, gaining muscle constantly and nothing else matters in the world, then it's like, why? What's beneath that obsession? And I still think you can be obsessed to being great but also – being good to human beings and being kind to yourself because mm-hmm. a lot of these bodybuilding tough fitness people are hate themselves. Mm-hmm. They're so insecure. Mm-hmm. You've seen it in this space mm-hmm. for 20 years plus probably, mm-hmm. right? Where they're so insecure and it's always like doing it to be accepted in a world mm-hmm. or to gain approval. And so my mask was being the best in order to be accepted by my peers in school and by other competitors because I felt that no one accepted me. So every time, so here's the thing, Vince, it worked. It got me results by wearing the athlete mask. I became a great athlete and I got accepted by people. They, I was a starter. Then I was an all-star. Then I was getting awards and they accepted me. And now here's the challenge. When I lost mm. a game or anything in practice or anything at all, it was like the world was over mm. because it was a uh, an attack on my um, – on my identity mm-hmm. as fitting in. It was an attack on my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And so if I lost a game, it was like I didn't matter in the world. And so I would beat myself up. I was mad at everyone around me. I was not a nice person to be around. And I think that's the angle of like the mask becomes toxic if you're not able to be aware of like, okay, I need to take this off in this moment. And balance my life and be good to people still and be kind to myself. Otherwise, I'm always going to live with anxiety, stress, fear, anger, trying to fit in to more and more people. And that doesn't serve us. Right. And I think that's the big challenge is like we can kick everyone in our life to the curb in the process to be the best on the field. And then what happens is in the process, we go through a couple relationships, maybe a few Mm -hmm. marriages, 
Uh, none yeah. of our friends want to be around us. Right. And we all think it's because they don't get us. Of course, they don't get you right. because you're not engaged with them mm -hmm. and you're not engaged with anybody but yourself. And you know, that was one of the big challenges with, you know, fitness modeling when I, why I stopped because your life revolves around, revolves around me, 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 my food, my workouts, my supplements, my sleep. Patterns, my sleep. My this, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you quickly see this is a dead end lifestyle you thought you were going to come top three and you come three from the back and you're like, I'm not, you know, I, I need to be doing something beyond this. So, yeah. So we live in this bubble. Athletes can get into a bubble and it's eventually going to pop. Yes. You know, exactly. and, and it's going to pop one day. And if you're, you're once you are done and you retire and you put your whole identity into this mass, this athlete mass, then who are you? You know, I went for a two year transition of being in like denial that my, football career was over when it did and and I was like well who am I I've put all my energy into like being this persona of being a great athlete and winning at everything that I do now I have nothing I'm living on my sister's couch and it's like well what do I do now what is the value I have no self-worth because I tied it all around one mask right and now I have no self-worth because I can't showcase those talents anymore hmm. that's a scary thing and this is where you see a lot of athletes professional athletes the top of their game and then they retire, they get injured, something happens, and they're nobodies. And you see them go through a downward spiral because mm -hmm. their identity and their self-worth was tied to this athlete mask of right. people desiring them because of their great skills. Right. But now they're not desiring because of that, and they have nothing else to offer the world. Right. It almost becomes a bit of a curse because you don't yeah. learn how to develop anything. I honestly feel like being... I would say I have a decent body, but I don't have a great body. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not Steve Cook. I don't yeah, have yeah. a physique that yeah. attracts. I was just with Steve more. last night. Actually. Oh, were you? Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a freak uh, body, man. Yeah. I mean, they just, you throw, you just have to take your shirt off and it's like yeah. magic. Right. And, uh, I'm almost grateful that, you know, I wasn't gifted with massive arms, you know, because I never got that kind of attention. Yeah. I was forced early on to figure out how to bring more to the table than just my body. Yeah. Because I wasn't like, people didn't follow me just for, oh, man, Vince's body's amazing. I've got an okay body. It's an attainable body, but right. it's nothing like top 10 caliber. Yeah. So yeah. uh, I want to stay on the athlete mass for one more yep. interesting point because uh, you touched on something really, really powerful that I know my listeners will really get a lot of, uh, I think we'll find very interesting. And, and there's a quote here in the book by um, um, actually Derek Rose. No, no. Uh, no, no a, a reference to Derek Rose. A reference to Derek Rose. Yeah. And he talks yeah. about we don't respect self-care in men. We respect in, invincibility. Uh, a mask you talk a lot about in the book. And what I mean, why I found this really interesting mm -hmm. is that a lot of guys go to the gym and we get pulled into styles of training because of not what the style of training will do for us, but just because it's like what real men do. And there was a, an Instagram post that just went up from a pretty popular guy. And it went along the lines of, today I'm doing four sets of 15 tricep kickbacks. And he goes, ha ha, just joking. I'm going to do some compound lifts like real men do. You know, something like that. So if and, you do those other things, you're not a real man. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's there's a whole attack on people that don't lift like a real man yeah. who are focused on, you know, I built my whole brand around baby weights. And teaching guys how to lift Dude, lighter freaking weights. freaking bands and baby weights, you freaking burn, man. You get strong. <laughs> but you get stuff. torn apart on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but you get defined. You get strong. You can, like, really oh, build oh, your body in a way. Of course. It's in a very effective. It's like Pilates. My girlfriend is a doctor of physical therapy, and she, uh -huh. she does Pilates with me, and I'm dead right. after 10 minutes. And if you said you're doing Pilates in a fitness world, right. you'd be, like, laughed at. That's not a real man. That's a girly thing to do. 
I don't know any guy that can finish a 60-minute workout of Pilates with my girlfriend. I'm telling you that because it's a killer. But you're not going to get as many Instagram views if no. you start talking about Pilates workouts. So start. So, exactly. so this is an interesting conversation. So why are you actually going to the gym? And, exactly. And, you know, I to go gain to attention gym. or mm-hmm. to become a better man? Exactly. Are, is, the, is, the, is the purpose of the workout to feed your ego and to show the world, hey, look at me. I do these style of workouts. Look how much weight I lift. And I know this. what happens a lot of guys is they get, they get hurt. These young 20-year-olds who are building up massive YouTube channels and Instagram followings, uh, taking boatloads of juice. One day, they snap and, something. Yeah. What do they do? Screwed. They've built they their spent, whole following yeah. on doing real man stuff. And now they're injured. And now they're injured. And, and now they're out they're, six months, and they try to come back. They hurt themselves again. They're compensating for something. Yeah. They got to get back to that point. How dare they lift light weights and do tricep kickbacks? And do rehab. And re- yeah. <laughs> so I just thought it was a really, interesting, yeah. um, a really interesting conversation. You touched on that. We don't respect men that take care of themselves. Yeah. They don't you know, talk about their downtime, take Sundays off. It's like you've got to – You know, I, I, there was another big um, – Instagrammer the other day on Christmas Day and his whole thing was who's going to the gym on Christmas Day. I'm like, I'm taking the day off. It's Christmas. Right, right exactly. But am I, I felt like a little threat and I'm like, yeah. shoot, should I have hit the should gym I this be? morning? Yeah. There's another thing that's interesting is like even in, in food, you know, in the fitness world, there might be more of a, uh, there's like this competitiveness even when we eat with men. Mm-hmm. When you're at like a barbecue with a guy, this happened like in college. It's like who can eat faster and more? Mm. Eating competitions, eating like tons of meat and just overeating and seeing who can drink as fast the mm. beer. Women don't really have those type of competitions, <laughs> right? It's like let's see how many burgers we can all eat. Right. Let's see who can have the biggest pizza. And it's like this, even nutrition for men. I feel like it's like, well, are you man enough to like drink this beer quick enough or to like eat? Can you eat like I can, like a real man? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're a real man eats like that and has a heart attack at 45. Yeah. Is that a real man? And you know what I mean? It's interesting because you talk about the death rate of men. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but men die a lot sooner than women. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, for a lot of reasons. And I think men are out being attacked and, uh, you know, evil forces, whatever you want to call it in the world, are definitely out to take men down. Mm-hmm. Because if they uh, get taken down, then their loved ones their wives, their girlfriends will be forced to carry a weight that they were never meant to carry. Mm. And uh, that's really why I feel men, I felt your book was so relevant because men are being attacked. And we know that if we can take men out of the game, then we can trap women mm. because now they're, now they're left on their own. They've been hurt by a man, whether it might've been their father, might've been their boyfriend, might've been their brother, it might've been uh, their son. But um, you know, e- the evil one out there knows that if you take men out, then he's got the woman cornered. Yeah. And he doesn't need to do anything with the woman because now she has to carry all that. Right. So the the effects of this, these masks not coming off don't just affect the men, it affect the woman. Sure. Absolutely. And I found that yeah. fascinating. Yeah, of course. Well, I think, you know, it's also an emotional thing. Like real men don't show emotion is like part of it. Like real men don't talk about their feelings. Real men don't connect with their brothers. Or and just like share what's going on in their heart because that's not manly, and that's also what causes the emotional buildup where we can't release and just share, have a conversation with other guy friends about challenges we're going through, issues we're facing, confidence issues, work, relationship stuff. If we can't talk about this stuff, it manifests in other ways, in negative forms in our body through disease, through pain, through tightness, stress, 
And then usually it'll come out in some way, you know, in a negative way through anger or fighting or something. It's got to come out in some right. way. Mm-hmm. If we don't communicate it, how's it going to come out? And I think that causes a lot of stress, anxiety for men. And it's one of the reasons why men die younger than women because in general, women are talking about these things all the time right. with other women. Yeah. I was going on the, a book tour for this, and I would ask the people in the room, you know, it's about 50-50 men and women that would come out, and I would say, how many guys in the room, raise your hand, if you get together once a month with another man or a group of guys, and you talk about your feelings, the challenges you're going through, the you know, relationship challenges, your body image challenges, your finance challenges, how many men in the room? Maybe one to two or three guys at every stop that I did would raise their hand. And I go, how many of you guys are in a men's group where you meet once a month? And usually it's a church-related group. And they were always yes. And I go, okay, for the, so a couple of guys maybe once a month were getting together and talking about these things. Then I would say to the ladies in the room, <laughs> how many of you guys do this every single day where you're on the phone with your girlfriends, you're having lunch with your girlfriends, you're talking about your relationship challenges, your body issue challenges, your confidence, your financial challenges, parenting challenges. And they're, everyone in the room is raising their hand that they're talking with someone daily, if not weekly. And I think <clears throat> they're able to communicate their feelings a little bit better with each other or it's more acceptable, whereas it's not considered okay as a man to do that. So, so that's amazing. And, and I love to give some actual steps to the listeners. Uh, I've found three really good questions to get men talking. And I actually wanted to ask you them at the start of the call. Do you mind if I ask them to you now? Yeah. So three questions. And, and the second one is the money question because it really quickly <clears throat> humanizes somebody. And uh, they're done in this order. So, um, uh, Lewis, what's going well in your life these days? I'm really consistent and committed to my health, mm. which sets up my confidence, my productivity, my energy around my team, my, mm. my partner, my relationship, and makes me feel like I'm a better human being in the world when I'm taking care of my health. And so the consistency I have with that is working really well. Fantastic. What's not going so well? I would say my presence with people closest to me, like my mom sometimes, I'm not that present, my girlfriend, I'm not present. Sometimes my mind's wandering and I'm thinking about other things or my fears of the future in that relationship. Um, And I'm just not as present with people that are closest to me sometimes. But I'm also very mindful of it and and something I do work on. So I actually journal daily now to say, okay, when I meet with my mom today, like spending time without my phone and just looking at me, you know, so I'm working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I appreciate your honesty, man, because I don't know. I can't believe you said your mom because I'm the worst with my mom too. I don't know what it is. And she's been like the, the best thing that's ever happened to me, my mom. And for some reason, I'm just short. I get snappy, you know, ask me questions. I'm like, mom, you should, I, I use this voice that I don't use with anybody else. Like mom, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's anyways, it's weird, right? we could pause on that and uh, I can definitely relate to you on that. And uh, the last question I want to ask you was, what are you looking forward to this year, 2018? I, I'm doing things that I've never done before. I'm, and I'm doing things that excite me that are also like could be big, couldn't work out. Hmm. Like I'm working on a documentary. Hmm that I've never done a movie or a documentary, but I'm just excited to like go through the process of doing something new and creating content in a different way that could potentially reach more people. 
and in a more cinematic, like high pro highly produced way. Mm -hmm. I know you're talking about how you do this on your YouTube channel, just really thoughtful, thought out, scripted, cinematic videos. And for me, it's like, I want to do bigger scale videos mm -hmm. and, and information to continue to, to impact and inspire and transform people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, um, we're working on another talk show with a big platform that I haven't made public yet, but I'm excited about doing things that I've never done that scare me. Mm. Like this documentary scares me. Like what if it's crap and it's like out sure. there on Netflix and like everyone makes fun of me. Sure. It's a possibility. What if I do a talk show and it's like, I've never done this before. I don't know what a big set is and doing something live and this and that. Like, but for me putting myself out of my comfort zone every year is what I love to do because once you do it, you just like, you pick it up so much faster and then yeah. it becomes easy after a while. I think that's amazing, man. And the reason I, I we could talk about all three of those. And uh, the reason I wanted to ask you those questions, because we were talking about giving men some actionable tips mm -hmm. on how to open up. Yeah. And I find those are three questions that I ask in my masterminds. And just when I link up with a guy who might not be as uh, open, as open, I'm like, you know what? I need, I need to ask him a question. So I was, Hey, what's going well, man? You know, get him, get him going, get him talking about something that gets him going and then say, but what's not going well. And I guarantee that the thing that he says, it's not going well, I'll be able to relate to. I'm yeah. like, yeah, dude, me too, man. Yeah. Yeah. How's it? So yeah. What are you doing about that? And, and all of a sudden the conversation takes a whole nother spin and all of a sudden eyes open up and like, yeah, I'm, oh man, you got any good books for that resources? Or like, yeah, how do you handle that, man? And right. It just becomes this awesome, memorable conversation. Yeah. That's it. So I think just having those little Asking questions. The right questions, yeah. Yeah. So what's not going well in your life these days? Because mm -hmm. we're men. One of the things our pastor teaches is that you can't fix what you fake. Yeah. And us men, it's like how things going. Oh, I'm crushing it. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, awesome, man. Good for you. Have another great year. When yeah, really yeah. they're struggling, and if they just open up and like, yeah, our numbers are down. Like I remember talking to another buddy that recently, like our YouTube numbers are down. And it's like, yeah, ours too. I'm like, you know what's going on? And all of a sudden, we had this awesome, productive conversation on what's going on with YouTube. Mm -hmm. If I would said, yeah, killing it. <laughs> things are great. Right. You know, how, how's how things in the home life? It's um, not relatable. Oh, marriage yeah. is amazing. Marriage is, but no, we haven't had sex in a month. It's like, <laughs> no, things aren't amazing. So, yeah, no, either have I. What's going on in your home? Like, can we, is there yeah. anything, you know? So when, when you fake it, nobody's going to come to your rescue people aren't even going to think you need any help. They're going right. to, oh, yes, don't lose. He's killing it. Yeah, it seems like he's it's like, man, um, I'm not doing really well, but like I could use some help with this. Yeah. And, and um, it's not relatable. Too. It's not relatable. Like, you know, you tell me about maybe your, your um, uh, you know, fear with this documentary. I mean, you got to talk to my brother. He's created a couple award-winning documentaries. Wow. And like, if you wanted to talk to him, like if you're like, oh yeah, we got it going, we're ready, we're gonna kill it. I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't even right. think of to suggest. Hey, do you want? I got a guy that might be able to give some input if you wanted. You know? Right, right, sure, yeah. Great. Let's move on, man. This is yeah. really awesome. Uh, moving on to the um, to the next mask. Uh, this one was fascinating, and I want to talk about the material mask. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had an interesting. Well, why don't you talk, talk to me about what the material mask is first before yeah, I, I share mean, some stories. And here's the thing. All these things trick us, you know, because when I was broke on my sister's couch, all I wanted was to have enough money to have my own place. And so I said, I need to focus on making money, put on the material mask. I need to learn it. I need to study it. I need to like hustle, hustle, hustle because I'm in this scarce mindset right now. So I got to earn as much money as I can. And here's the thing, Vince. It worked. You know, putting on the mask. Over a couple of years, I started to make a lot more money, and it worked. But 
I also gained 50 pounds. People started calling me Fluis for Fat Lewis because I didn't do anything else. All my energy was like, I am so obsessed over this. I didn't really have any good quality personal relationships. It was all focused on like making money, money, money. So it worked. <clears throat> and I was so scared of losing it because my bank account now became, you know, my net worth now became tied to my self-worth mm, as opposed to my wow. athletic worth, right? So it's all about like where do we associate our worth? You know, again, another mask is like the the uh, um, the Joker mask. Like when your humor becomes con- connected to your self-worth, when your athleticism, when your sexual conquests become tied to your self-worth and no more women are interested in you, then you start to have these identity crises and these breakdowns. And for me, the material mask was really – Realizing that, okay, I can transition from athlete to material mask and still get big results. But what is suffering with me wearing this mask in my life? What wasn't working well? Like the second question you ask, what isn't doing well in my life? And pretty much everything else but making money wasn't doing well. So I got to reevaluate and say, okay, my self-worth is not tied to my net worth. And um, started to reevaluate and started to take that mask off and have a better balance in my life. And that's what it comes down to. I think there's a lot of guys out there, especially the Instagram, YouTube culture, where there are $30,000 millionaires. Mm. They make thirty grand a year, but they got the Rolex. They got the $2,000 pair of shoes every week. They got the Lamborghini that's just on the street that they're you know, standing in front of. Rented, yep. Yeah, they're in some friend's mansion or of a friend of a friend that they're at some like network marketing meeting with, and they're just taking a photo with and acting like they have money. They're spending a lot to try to, like, build their self-worth. And they're broke. They're broke in their hearts, and they're broke in their banks. And I think when you're constantly seeking to gain something in order to fit in into the world, you're always going to be lacking. And I was seeking to earn money to fit into the world, to be accepted. I was looking to be a great athlete, to fit into my community, to be accepted. And that's where we suffer as men when we're tied to we need to be accepted we need to fit in we need people to like us and if we don't have that mask anymore they're not going to like us if they actually knew who we really were would they still accept us i think that's our fear that's why we come to the table with yeah everything's good i'm good everything's good at life home i'm crushing it because we want to fit in and be accepted but the thing we don't realize is when we are actually vulnerable or just real not needing to cry all the time and like be sad all the time, but just like, no, actually it's not going well. Or I just feel kind of stuck and I'm not sure how to get through this. That connects us to other human beings more than, yeah, I'm crushing it on every single level of my life. Like I've got it all figured out. It's hard to build amazing relationships unless you're real with people. Mm. And um, no one wants to be around the person who has everything figured out all the time. What's interesting about the uh, material mask is that so many of us men, um, you know, we we cling to the, yeah, but I'm providing for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a married man now. And one of the, you know, challenges in my relationship is that I work a lot Mm -hmm. and we have. But you love your work too. I love my work and I have, we have boundaries. You know, I've set hours from, you know, uh, 6 a.m. every day to 5 to 4.30 and I take weekends off. And I go over and, you know, whenever I abuse the boundaries, yeah. there's trouble yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll fire back. Well, I'm providing for us. And the other day, uh, my wife hit me hard 
And she said, Vince, mm-hmm. you'd be working just as hard without us. Right. You, you would be. be working, heck, more hours. More. You would be doing everything you're doing with us. You're not building this for us. You're building this for, you. for yourself. Wow. Because you built your identity around being a successful entrepreneur, and you're afraid to lose it. Mm. So don't tell me <laughs> that you're that? working for you're working <laughs> for past four thirty for the right. family. Right. I it's met part of you, your identity. I yeah. met you before you got married and you worked just as hard. Wow. She and, spoke and the truth. She spoke the truth. And and she's very graceful. She knew that, okay. I needed to internalize that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've learned that women verbalize <laughs> and inter <laughs> and, and men internalize. And I let her know. She also knows that when a man internalizes, it's not a bad thing. I needed time to process that. I went into my cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went into my cave. I made a lot of grunting noises. But when yes. I came out, I said, you're right. And we need to work on this. I'm going to work on this. Wow, that's good. And, uh, you know, mostly, uh, most of the time right. women talk around, talk in circles. But this was one where she just landed Correct. a plane quickly. <laughs> so That's great. Uh, but, you know, that's a personal example. And, you know, just... On the flight here from Toronto, so funny when I was reading this in your book, uh, I was, I don't fly first class. I just think it's a waste of money. Mm -hmm. And I was doing an Insta story and I took a photo of the snow on the wing and then I uploaded it. And then I quickly thought, shoot, I need to take it down. Someone's going to know I'm not in first class. People are going to know I'm not in first class. And and I literally was like, shoot, but the 3G just went out and they disconnected the Wi-Fi. I'm like, how much is it to get on Wi-Fi? I was going to pay $13.99 to get on Wi-Fi so that I could delete the image because I didn't want anybody to think that I wasn't Mm. sitting in first class. Wow. Right after reading your book. Yeah. On this this, this specific chapter. So uh, this this the struggle the struggle is real and I appreciated yeah. your honesty in the book about like it's one thing to say like um you know you know to show some but when you're like we can't upload this video unless we have yeah, this we shot over. yeah I think it's again listen for me I like making money I like making a lot of money and but I also don't have don't buy a lot of like jewelry or watches or nothing. There's anything wrong with it. I just don't care about those things. It doesn't drive me to like, I need to look a certain way in order to fit in. I'm more spend money on like my health and like a chef and like focusing on the things that save me time. And like, right. that's a luxury to me. And, you know, I used to fly in the back middle seat in every flight and drive a, a, a Greyhound and like trains and everything. So, you know, luckily I get a lot of points where I get first class and I'm like, you know what? I'm a big dude. I like first class when I can get it. But also I'm not going to spend two grand on a trip when I can sit in economy and be fine. Uh, so for me, it's more just like a lifestyle. And I think when it's tied to I need to prove to everyone how much I'm worth, then it's like, why? Why do you need to post this every single day of like the flashy car or the, the mansion or this or that? Like, Sure, there's nothing wrong with posting these things, but is it because you're trying to prove to fit in or right. is it because you're trying to lift others up and inspire? And I think that's the ultimate question. You talk about Ty Lopez in your um, in your book, and I found it absolutely fascinating. I know you had him on your show and, and received a bit of uh, criticism from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what he represents. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, and, you know, I've followed him, extremely successful, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but everything seems to be in context to, you know, uh, 
the amount you know he talks about his love for books and how many books he has but at the same time he ha he can't go without saying that without mentioning how many books he has how many bookshelves he has to add and the hundred dollar bills that go yeah. into the book for um you know uh, a book card of the for, yeah go into uh the books for like uh, placeholders whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know i think there's that fear of like if I started doing my videos without the, you know, 16-room Beverly Hills mansion, without being beside the poolside, without being backstage at the concert, you know, without being off floor seats at the NBL, right. NBA basketball game, would this content still be as valuable? Mm -hmm. And there are so many guys that I see who are going down this path right now on YouTube and Instagram where they are building their followings based on their value being wrapped around what they have and not who they are and so so what 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 is what's going to happen to these guys what's going to happen you know a couple of years let's paint a very vivid picture here's for, the thing you're yeah you're <clears throat> you're attracting people who want you for those things who are attracted to those things about you they're not attracted to your heart your giving nature your compassion your value you add to the world they're attracted to the money the financial things the all those things so you you're just having these surface relationships. And I think at the end of the day, you know, mission and fulfillment, uh, you, you talked about mission. It's like, if you don't have a mission beyond making money, it's like, it's just going to be very empty. And you know, there's a lot of men who've made a lot of money in the world who are unhappy, who don't have a mission. And they just make more and more money to like fulfill themselves, but it's not fulfilling. And they miss out on the muscle on the fitness, you know, Steve Jobs made a ton of money, right? One of the biggest companies in the world with Apple, right? But it drove him to cancer and disease and emotional instability. And at the end of his life, he was talking about how, you know, he wishes he would have been different. And I'm sure he would have given up billions and all of his money for another year of health. But, you know, I'm not saying his mission was off because he had a great mission, but what about your emotional mission? You right. know, the mission with connecting to other human beings and having a good heart and being compassionate. Maybe he didn't have that as much as he would have liked to. And he talks about that at the end of his life, how he wishes he would have been more compassionate and giving and nurturing. And it's unfortunate. But I think it's an example of, listen, some people are, have different genetic makeup and things like that. But I think that could have been prevented. A lot of the disease that men have in their 50s, is caused by unhealthy emotional stress and trauma that is not processed mm -hmm. and communicated and released. So, yeah, I'm kind of tangenting right now. But. No, it's great. No, you got a great quote in your book from Ryan Holiday, and he talks about uh, this is in his book, Ego mm -hmm. is the Enemy. Yep. He says uh, something to the effect that whatever success you're after, keep in mind that someone has already had it and hated it and deluded themselves <laughs> into thinking that just a little more would solve their problems. Yeah, it won't. Isn't that a great warning? More won't solve your problems. Mm. I mean, more awareness maybe, more understanding, more compassion. Uh, more self-care, more care for your community and the world around you. I think that will start to connect you to the mission. You know, the fourth M. Is that the fourth M? Yeah, mission. M? Yeah. yeah, mission, the marriage. And I think that's uh, what's good, what it comes down to. And I think we go through different phases in life. You know, as a, as a boy turning into a man, you're going through different phases. Where in right. middle school and high school, you're just trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to, like, 
go through puberty and then sure. get to college and whatever it may be and just have one girl like you or whatever, you know. You're trying to figure things out. But as we evolve, we get to be more and more aware. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, you contrast, you know, one man with another man. You talked about Tony Robbins mm-hmm. and uh, that beautiful story about him giving away his final $25. Yeah. Uh, you don't remember what episode that is with you and Tony? 109 is one of them and then probably like two – 200s and i mean i've done three with yeah. him so i think he might have shared it twice two different episodes but yeah beautiful episode Powerful. to go back and listen to on lewis's show uh with tony robbins and he tells a story of how tony gave a ra- gave away his final 25 dollars to a kid who was buying uh dinner for his mom yeah. yes and what a beautiful picture and then he walked away and he didn't have much money and he walked home and and talked about you know the key to to living is giving Right. Yes. The key to living is giving. And, um, you know, when we give, we live more and we earn more when we give. So. And, and Tony talked about how, you know, his um, greatest aha moment was when he um, learned something from Sir John Templeton, the famous mutual funds pioneer. Mm-hmm. And he told them that uh, every person that he had met who had tithed 10 percent of what yep. they earned for at least a decade uh, became incredibly financially free. Mm-hmm. And and I just thought, I don't know uh, what his faith background is, if that was or where that came from, but I thought that that was fascinating. Tony's whole life changed when he figured that out and he started to shift his life from giving as opposed to receiving. Mm-hmm. And then he told a story. The next day he went back home and there was a check from a contract or something that came through the next yeah, day and, yeah. he, and it was like a sign like, you do the right thing. Yeah. And I thought that was a beautiful story and a beautiful model for us to, uh, to live by, to really value giving and not receiving. And how can you go wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's great. You're doing the documentary, man. Like that's yeah. like, you're going, I mean, that's not guaranteed money. No, <laughs> a, lot of docu- a lot of money in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're, that's not like a guaranteed, you know, yeah. and you're, and I think that's a great sign of maturity. Like mm-hmm. when someone tells me that they're doing that, that you don't have to say anything else yeah. because you're putting your money where your mouth is Exactly. because you're venturing into something that is uh, wrapped around your mission, which will have an impact. You know, it's going to have an impact, Absolutely. but it might not serve one of those masks that we want to put on the material mask. It might, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's not why you're doing it. Right. I think those are great signs of maturity. And uh, in the same way, like, I was just telling you before the show, I've got this podcast. I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not right. checking because I just know this is the right thing to do. Yeah. This is where we're heading. I know where I need to lead men. And uh, great. I'll worry about that later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure out That's the monetization I, model later. When I started my podcast, I just said I want to do this for one year, every single week for a year. And I wasn't trying to make money at all. I just said, this feels right. Mm-hmm. And I want to give back. And then it took my business and my life to another level by doing that. That's, that's amazing. That's really encouraging. At the end of the call, I'd love to pick your brain yeah. a bit on some uh, best practices for, for podcasting as sure. well. But we've got the uh, we got a fun one to talk about. You sure you want to talk about this? The, the sexual, sexual mess. mess. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to, sure. But I think just to set this up is our yeah. goal here is to just help men think differently yes. about sex. Yeah. All right. Because we've I don't know where you came from. I don't mm-hmm. know what you think about sex. But I know one of the things that I hear a lot uh, that I'm glad that you brought up is that you know, a lot of men struggle with the idea of committing to one woman the mm-hmm. rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And, and they ask these thoughts, is this, uh, is this it? Am I downgrading? Mm-hmm. Is this like, am I settling? Am, am I, I settling? Uh, 
And listen, I still don't have the answer. You know, I <laughs> I interview so many people with different opinions, uh-huh. men and women, to give me feedback on different stuff. Mm-hmm. I hear different stories all the time. I am in a committed relationship, right? And um, I think what, and I'm not trying to judge anything or say what's right and wrong. What I am saying is, when our self worth as a man, mm-hmm. or we look at ourselves as a man, we're more manly with the amount of women we're sleeping with. That is unfulfilling. When you're like, well, just one more girl, just one more girl. Right. It's like more money is not going to fulfill the hole within your ga- within your heart. More women is not going to fulfill the hole within your heart. And being able to talk to your guy friends and say who you slept with or who you hooked up with, that's not going to. Again, it putting on the sexual mask gets results. If you're focused on that. You're going to get results, and then you're going to feel empty the next day if it's for the wrong reasons. It's just how it is. I've had that lifestyle, and I've never been like, I feel so much more fulfilled after this. Right. When it was for the wrong reasons. When it was looking to connect and find a powerful, meaningful relationship and, you know, do something together, then it was much more rewarding and fulfilling. And I think that's just what you got to look at. Like, am I doing this to try to fit in or feel better about myself? But is it hurting people in the process? Is it hurting myself? Is it hurting the girl? Mm-hmm. Is it hurting society? Because I'm just talking about it with all my friends. And right. then it's hurting their mindset about relationships. That's what you get to look at. And, um, and ask yourself, is my self-worth tied to my sexual conquests? Wow. And if so, then... That's going to be a hard hole to dig out of. Yeah. And, you know, we live in a culture where the way you describe it in the book is that you're not a man if you don't have sex. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a lot of sex, you're definitely not a real man. And now we're at the point where if you're not having sex with more than one woman, you're even less of a man. Yep. And this is what men are being told this is the environments they're yeah. around and they're coming out of university and going to their mid twenties with, uh, you know, just looking at a woman as uh, a notch on his bedpost. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we've got serious problems here mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, these men are looked at as ballers. They're looked at as studs. They're looked at yep. as players of as if it's something to, uh, to model and to brag about and then we look at men who have made a commitment to one woman as like men settling or have they're, they're tied down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're off the market. Yeah. Uh, they, they've settled down. They're, they're out of the game. Exactly. Uh, I, I'll just be uh, not one, players anymore. You're not a baller anymore. You're I'll, I'll the, tell you, it takes a real man to get married. I think it does, man. <laughs> it takes Absolutely. A real man to get to married. Fully commit and go all in. It's a whole nother level. And I've never, I've not been married and I'm not married yet. And I know that, uh, when it's the right, when I feel like it's the right time for me, like it's going to be amazing, you know? Right. Well, and some marriages are miserable for men. Sure. You know, I'm not saying all marriages are great. Uh, and some, you know, are for the wrong reasons too. Mm-hmm. You know, you get married for the wrong reasons too, I think sometimes, but the most successful men that I look up to are the ones who have committed marriages mm-hmm. and families and they have it all right there. There's not many men that I know who have these massive businesses who are also fulfilled in their heart Hmm. that are single, Hmm. you know, when they're like 30, 40, 50 years old, they've got a powerful partner by their side, usually kids as well. I'm not saying you need kids, but I'm saying they usually have something bigger than themselves 
as well, to be part of a family unit. And those guys I look up to the most. You know, I don't feel like I'm ready at that stage of my life, this stage of my life to do that. I'm just not feeling called right now. But I I know some point in my life, like, I'm going to need that to really elevate my, you know, level of, of just humanity. You told me before the call I could ask anything. This wasn't on my notes here. Do you have any fears with marriage? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. My parents were never... My mom is here, and her boyfriend, my mom and my dad are divorced. They got divorced when I was a teenager. And I never, I mean, it just seemed like there was always tension when I was a kid. I was the youngest of four. They stopped having kids after me, and they just never seemed happy until they got divorced. Then there was, like, freedom and happiness is, like, the way I perceived it. So I grew up in a very, uh, it just wasn't a lot of, harmony i would say between them and there was a lot of arguing a lot of yelling and a lot of just wasn't a lot of love they loved us Uh but it didn't seem like a lot of affection and love between each other and so i think my fear has always been like i want to make sure it's if i get married it's the right person Mm -hmm. it's the right time like not because i felt forced or because i felt like i had to or because the society wanted me to after a certain amount of years like i wanted it and was excited and I continue to do the work on myself. So I think it's definitely affected me, you know, just like most kids it affected mm-hmm. them based on anything their parents did. Um, yeah, and I just want to make sure that it's the, you know, it's the right time and everything. So I, I respect that honesty a lot, man. I, I will tell you there's no such thing as the right time getting For married. For sure. <laughs> Probably same thing as having a baby. There's no such thing as the right time. There's a, me and my wife got engaged uh, within six <laughs> months of knowing each other. Wow. And we were engaged. So then we were married six months after that. And, you know, she's been on my podcast and she would tell us this if she was here, but we didn't even know each other when we got married. Right. And we were, because we both came from homes where my parents have been together for almost 40 years, hers uh, longer. She's one of 17 kids. What? That's insane. Same parents. Holy cow. So we both. 17 kids, same parents. 17 kids from the same parents. There's a 30 year span. She's in the middle. She's the uh, eighth one. Oh, my goodness. Eight boys, eight, seven girls. In Canada? Yeah, Paris, Ontario. Holy cow. Yeah, There's probably Romanian. not many <laughs> parents who've had that many kids. They're one away from a, they're, they were one away from a TV show. <laughs> I bet, yeah. And, you know, so we both were raised in families where, uh, you know, I'm going to say divorce wasn't an option, but we never, I grew up in an Italian right, film, so right. I never saw divorce either. So uh, I, I kind of, like, jumped into marriage because I'm like, well, if something goes wrong, we'll figure it figure out. It and out, to be yeah. honest, that's kind of the attitude you need because – Of course, because there are things that are going to be wrong. Yeah, yeah. A and lot. it's almost like the sooner you can address them, the better because they will come up. And I think one of the – you know, one piece of advice that I could give is like divorce won't happen if both people are committed to working on themselves because you can't change the other person. And, and I'll tell you, it took – this is our seventh year of marriage. This has been our best year, but it's taken seven years – to get to, to where get we there. are now, wow. we weren't on the same wavelength, and we still have a long, long, long ways to go. And um, it's just because we're committed to, you know, you know, if I go in my cave for a couple of days, she knows I'm going to come out eventually. <laughs> you got to come out to eat. <laughs> she knows yeah. I'm going to come out eventually of the cave, you know. And if she's verbalizing, I know eventually she's going to cool down. So it's like, okay, we've learned each other's fighting styles. And uh, I think the biggest challenge with marriage is that it's a full frontal uh, it's a full-length mirror, sorry. Yeah. You, you pretty much you see yourself naked 
full, Absolutely. you know, and a lot of us don't want to see ourselves naked because mm-hmm. all of our masks get yanked off. Scary. You, you can't wear those masks in marriage. Scary. It's impossible to wear a mask in marriage. Yeah. So, so there, there's, look at it as yeah. a good thing. I'm not trying to scare you, no, but look it, at it as a good thing because it'll be your greatest chapter in life I'm where sure. you will see the greatest growth. And as you know, growth doesn't come without pain. Absolutely. But I think if you're both. And change. Yeah. And I think if yeah. both people are on the same wavelength that like, hey, it's normal to fight. You know, how you fight is a different story. So there's a lot of books and stuff on how you do it. But yeah. if you can just embrace that, this is, if you both value growth and maturity, it is a beautiful chapter. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, I, I just right. think there's a lot of great stuff here on this. And um, I, I wanted to just go down one other angle here with you on uh, on this topic because I hear a lot of guys who talk about sex just being, it's biology, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole mag- monogamy thing is just, you know, made up by the church. It's just a right. cultural invention. Um, you know, after all, real men, aren't we meant to just spread our DNA as far as it can travel to preserve our genes? Or like... I mean, yeah. what are we missing here, Lewis? Like, why, why is this yeah, maybe think, not a viable? Well, I think, again, you know, thousands of years ago, yes, because you died when you were 20 and you needed to reproduce. So I think now that we are much more aware and have uh, a society that's evolved over thousands of years, it's uh, we don't need to spread our seed. You know, it's not <laughs> we don't need to produce more human beings necessarily as a world. We're almost overpopulated. Yeah, if yeah. you think about it from like, the the uh, environment side of things, um, but yeah, it's again. Does it serve humanity at the highest level to spread our seed everywhere? Mm. And does it spread? Does it serve our inner heart? No. At the end of the day, it's fun, but it's fleeting, and that's what it comes down to: is what is going to bring you the most co- fulfillment, the most meaning. You know, what's going to serve your personal mission to elevate your life and humanity? And that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Am I doing something to fulfill a mission, a positive mission in my life and my inner peace? And if it's not giving me inner peace, then why am I doing it? And spending time with 20 girls at one time is not going to bring you inner peace. Right. You know, being with one person at a time sometimes cannot bring you inner peace. That's enough of a challenge sure. to kind of figure out one another. So I think what yeah. you're talking about is a really, you know, higher conversation here is you're really trying to reorient it in your life like as i'm reading your book i'm really feeling like what you're really challenging men to do is reorient their life around a much bigger mm-hmm. cause greater than themselves and when they do that these masks i wouldn't say they come off easy but they definitely mm-hmm. come off easier yeah, absolutely because now you're not focused on because all these things are very self-focused mm-hmm. and filling a gap filling a hole filling a broken air in our life that none of these things can uh, eventually conceal right uh, so when we start reorienting our life around others, around purpose, around serving, then we really are forced to take these masks off because yeah. that's when our best versions come out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great, man. Anything we've missed today? Mm. I got I would a couple say of rapid fire you, questions uh, yeah, for you. Yeah, we can do that. I would <laughs> say every time, you know, just comes back to this. When you feel stress, anxiety, anger in your heart, ask yourself, why mm-hmm. and ask yourself is the action i'm about to take from this anger resentment stress that i'm feeling is the next action i'm about to take does it give me inner peace and serve a purposeful mission in my life if it the action doesn't serve those two things then don't do it great 
quick question for you. So we talked about, you know, seeking out male, uh, you know, men you can talk to. Who, who do you talk to, man? I like Rob Bell a lot. Do you okay. know Rob Bell? You walk, yeah, he's, he's huge. Yeah. You know, I'm from the church world, yeah, so yeah, of course. of course. So he's he lives about a mile away from me. He's been on the sh- my show a few times and huh. go hang out, watch football with him on Sunday sometimes. And just I love his energy, his heart. Like he's like my North Star, you mm. know, like – when I'm around him, I just feel like I just want to be a better human being. What What is it about him? His philosophy on just being a better human being mm. and serving humanity and mm. being the best man you can be in marriage and, you know, mm. as a father, like his example of, you know, marriage, fatherhood, mm. business, like health, adventure, play. Like he surfs all the time in the mornings. He's journaling. He's like there for his family, but he's also doing what he loves. I just believe he's a great example of how to live a great life. Huh. I personally feel like when you venture into that new chapter of life, when you're ready, the marriage chapter, mm-hmm. you're going to make yourself like just people are going to see you completely differently because sure. you just have a whole new respect from a whole new world of men that are going through a challenge, yeah. not a challenge, like a chapter in life that really does require so much sacrificial uh, love and, you know, surrendering your, not dreams and goals to the point where you can't achieve them, but to a degree. Yeah. You know, if, as a practical example, I can't work weekends anymore. Right. You know, you I have. Can, I shut, but you I, choose not to ex- to serve your family, to stay with a family, to yeah. keep my family. Yeah. <laughs> that's just not going to work. Yeah. So uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad yeah. you got robbed. That's fantastic. Yeah. So a couple rapid fire questions. Sure. You ready for this? Yes. All right. Cool. So in the past <laughs> year, I got a lot of entrepreneur friends that listen to this. Obviously, we have a lot uh-huh. of mutual friends who uh, I know they want to know what's going on with your amazing business, very successful business. Mm-hmm. And with your podcast, you've inspired me as well. So uh, these are maybe more in context to uh, some of those things. Uh, so in the past year, what's been one new habit or belief you've adopted that's helped you? And it could be personal, professional, or physical. But I mean, I would say two things. One, I don't have him right now, but I hired a trainer for a couple of months mm-hmm. last year to come every single day, five days a week. And it was a game changer for oh, me. Oh, good. You know, I train hard on my own. I'm an athlete, so I can do it on my own. But you know as anyone, that when someone is there to, like, guide the whole process, you're working a little bit harder. You're a little safer. You're a little better form. Of course. It's all there. And that just tweaks it to another level. So when I had that, uh, that was really powerful. Now I've got my girlfriend who's been kind of, like, working with me. So I'm more com- uh, accountable that way. Uh, but I'll probably bring back a trainer again this year for a while. Uh, and the second thing is – I've been doing this for, I don't know, 15 years now, 10, 10, 15 years, meditation. And when I do a 10 to 15 minute meditation in the morning, it could be prayer, meditation, just like mm-hmm. journaling, but something where you're setting a clear intention for what you want to create that day and the human you want to be in the world that day. And internalizing gratitude and reflecting about what's possible for your life. When I do that every morning, I'm less reactive, I'm calm, I'm less stressed. Mm. So I think those two things both help your health. And I think that's helps has always helped my business when my health is in order. Fantastic. What's been one of the most worthwhile investments you've made in yourself and how much? I would say going back to, I mean, I'm going to speak health for me is key. So having a trainer and having a chef Hmm. you know having someone who or buying the foods that are the right foods whatever it may be like investing in you know 
better groceries, you know, quality foods and having someone, you know, who knows how to make them the right way. I mean, I'll spend anything for my health, you know. So for me, it's Great. the key to like success and everything starts with health. But I would say from a more like a business point of view as well, even though that's my number one key to growth in business is your health, uh, investing in a team. You know, investing in a team oh, of people. Amazing. So, That's a great one. Yeah, I mean, my team is great because you can only do so much alone, but you can go so much farther together. And um, investing in the right people to be able to – that's why I'm able to do multiple projects at once. Yeah. That's – yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to jump in there and say I invested in a project manager and I haven't seen the ROI from it quite yet, but I know I need that. Oh, yeah. And it's such – I'm glad you mentioned that because that just spoke to me. It's yeah. an investment. Yeah. yeah, investing in her was an investment. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely, yeah. So what do you do when you feel overwhelmed and just unfocused? You're like, oh, I'm not listening to my coach. I got way too much, bite, yeah. bit off way more than I can chew here. Well, how do, how do you reset? Two years ago, I went to Hawaii for four days on my own. And I left my phone at home. Hmm. So I went on a plane with no <laughs> electronics. You're crazy. <laughs> it was one of the scariest. And I thought to myself, I've had my phone on me for 15 years. Huh. Every single day for 15 years. I wonder what life's like without it. Not, oh, I'll take it to the hotel and turn it off. No, it couldn't even come on the plane with me. And, I mean, I got there and had a rental car. I forgot which rental car service I was in, so I had to ask them all to find the car that I had. I had to get directions at a gas station. Like It was like back in 1999, right? So it was the most unbelievable experience. Four days just laying in the ocean, not trying to, like, take a photo or selfies or, like, document it but just connecting to the earth and to human beings that I was meeting so I I want to do more of that the year before last that was two years ago last year I went to India for two weeks and did a meditation retreat which was very similar so <clears throat> finding those types of disconnection moments to really reconnect to the world and humanity I think is powerful for me I did that over Christmas for four days, and man, oh man, yeah, it took me two days to collect my conscious thoughts. I was in unconscious, sorry, uh, to get into, yeah, conscious thought mode. I was just running unconscious thoughts, like, Mm -hmm. like, I got to do this, I got to do that. I I couldn't even connect for two days straight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Another question, two more, we're we're there. How do you set your day up for deep work? Environment, any routine, supplements? Just make my bed every morning. Yeah. Make my bed, because I think a messy bed is a messy day. So I get up, make the bed, clean my space. That way I'm just like, you know, there's there's a book that's actually called Make Your Bed and talks about the, like the science behind making your bed and why the military has everyone make their bed and how it's like one small act builds productivity and helps you achieve another small act. And so mm-hmm. I like that. I like meditation. I like working out, doing a hit workout, just 25, 30-minute hit workout. I like that a lot. What failure in business have you learned from the most? I think probably like hiring the wrong people and then keeping them on board for too long because I want people to succeed. I want to like see them grow and I'm like invest in them. Sometimes it's like they're just not the right fit or they're just not the right fit for the culture or I hired them too fast without really asking the right questions because I needed something. And so I take responsibility, but like, And then not letting them go quick enough because one weak link in the team Mm. is like a full team breakdown. Gotcha. And you need, if you want to grow as a team, you need all-stars, you know? It's true. If you want to play at a professional level, otherwise if you got a 
If they play junior so. varsity player playing you know, professional football, you're not going to win. You're only as strong as the weakest link. Yeah, exactly. That's so powerful. I think that's been one lesson. I've, been, I've learned that myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm too nudge. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, last question. I said there was two more, but one more selfish question for myself. I, in San Diego at Craig's uh, Perfect Life uh, Retreat, I asked you about how to build my podcast uh -huh. expectations to have in the first year, and you said to me, if you're hoping that's going to be huge in the first year, don't do it. Yeah. That was a great perspective. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you something a little more tactical this time. What's uh, one thing that I could be doing to seek out guests or, you know, mm -hmm. if you're you're my coach to mm -hmm. help me build this podcast, uh, maybe some best practices, tips, one thing, whatever you think. To book guests? Uh, yeah, maybe book guests. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. Is there a formula or is it? Um, I think any? start with finding people that have something they need to get out right now, whether mm -hmm. it's a book or uh -huh. project or whatever it may be, uh, because people are looking to promote books and stuff like that, you know. So start with see when people say oh, i've got a book coming out in three months like start booking them then and say okay. hey listen we've also got uh, here's our numbers and we've got a big youtube thing i'll do like a book review on this as well i'm 300,000 subscribers that'll be a way for you to start getting them because they want to sell books sure so speak to their heart of what they want to get out there the most um how do you find that out so that you know i uh i know i've got a list of the books that are supposed to come out like over the next year through like publishers and stuff mm -hmm. that I like to send me. But I think just being like mindful and aware of like following the people that you want to have on and seeing what they're talking about and gotcha. reaching out to them in a thoughtful, intentional way of, Hey, I want to support you with this thing that you're talking about and we'd love to share your story. And we've got this audience and things like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Lewis House, thank you so much for your time. My this man. has been a, a the highlight man. of 2018 for me. <laughs> First week. <laughs> no, I mean, what a way to start the year. Appreciate I it, I can't man. think of a better way to get the year started yeah, man. and to set the bar high for the rest of the year. So uh, thank you for bringing me into the school greatness here. Studio, baby. You have an incredible studio here. It's an amazing spot here, guys. And uh, Lewis has welcomed me not just into his studio but into his home. So uh, if Thanks, there's man. anything I can do to continue to support you, aside from telling the world about your amazing book, The Mask Masculinity, guys, I was blown away. Go pick up a copy right now. Where's the best place for people to pick this up, by the way? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever, online or in bookstores, yeah. Awesome. So yeah. you've heard the man. Go grab yourself a copy and continue to take off these masks. Have courage and continue to maximize the five M's of manhood so that you can become a better man, become a real man, and so that you can have more impact on the world. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you. Love this episode of the Vince Del Monte Podcast? Then head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. And most importantly, it will help us spread the M5 mission to other men like us dedicated to maximizing and mastering the five M's of manhood. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak soon.